I'm back. Welcome to Centered Sunday with your host, Cherie Shy Holmes, creator of The Resilient Me. So as a promised, um, at the end of my sabbatical, we were supposed to come back into the following month to talk about money. And I ended up extending my sabbatical two more weeks. I enjoyed this whole month off. I think ever since I started The Resilient Me back in 2018, Yes, 2018, October 2018, I hadn't taken a break from releasing content, posting daily, social media, creating journals and courses and all kinds of stuff, right? So I felt now was a really good time to just take that break and I enjoyed it and I appreciate everyone's well wishes and I've got some new stuff that'll be rolling out later this year, so I'm super excited. I also started working on my book, y'all. Yes, ma'am. Started working on my book, but that's not going to be launched until next year. But I'm totally ready to knock this out. All right, let's get focused. And we're going to talk about three things I wish I knew about money. Now, these three things are unlike anything that you've ever discussed about money before. Because I wanted to give you a different take, number one and number two, because I feel like this is at the foundation of the issues that we have about acquiring money. So let's take it, take a step back. Imagine with me, if you will, pretend like we're on a, on a safari and we're going back in time, like Aladdin and Jasmine times. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but let's just talk about money and how it started. Money itself as a concept, basically in coin form, um, well, it's only 2,600 years old. And I know that that sounds crazy, but when you think in terms of like the billions of years, like how old Earth is, it really isn't that old money itself in coin form. So money, <clears throat> excuse me, has taken on various forms in history. So more recently, we're used to like Bitcoin, electronic money, the paper form of money, coins, gold it, and it used to be silver um even further back there was like salt and cattle was used for money deer skins leather vodka ivory i even saw that wampum beads and sperm whale's teeth yes you heard me right sperm whale's teeth used to be a form of money and for every specific type of money it was valuable at that time for different reasons so Going back to the salt example, Roman soldiers were actually partially paid in salt because salt was considered a precious commodity and it actually allowed the soldiers to obviously flavor up their food because nobody likes bland food. And our word salary is actually derived from the Latin word sol, meaning salt. But you didn't know that. I didn't either until I researched it. <laughs> Prior to money though, we would barter. So it would be like, Hey, Mr. Builderman, can you build me a house and I will give you some of my crops? You can have, you know, 500 pounds of grapes and 20 apples and a goat. That's, that's how they used to get things done. And of course, I mean, for one person that might have been a lot and for another person that might not have been enough. So money became more of a, a standardized, transportable means to exchange for goods and services versus actually bartering. Think So this actually happened. There was a singer. She went to go visit, you know, some islands and sang some amazing songs. She was a performing artist. 
and they paid her in three pigs, 23 turkeys, 44 chickens, 5,000 coconuts, and large quantities of bananas, lemons, and oranges. Imagine being a performer and having to take that home. Like, somebody failed on her contract. They should have said, we want to be paid in dollars, okay? But imagine if that was you. You were working your normal job, and then they pay you in, like, goats and chickens and oranges or something. I don't know. Like, they have to drop this stuff off at your house. It would just it would be overwhelming, especially for people that are performing artists, having to transfer all that kind of stuff home. Can you imagine getting paid like millions of dollars for your art, but you get a lot, maybe you might get some land out of it. That would, that would be easier. But all of these things make it harder to do business, but having a standardized form of money actually doesn't. You have a standardized form that you can take payments. You can actually assert value that you guys agree upon. And then it just makes it easier in general. So diving right into my first big mind-blowing moment here money is energy you heard me right money is energy so it begins with the value that one gives themselves so for example you have the in and out employee right the in and out burger employee and they may be a high school student or college student let's just say they're like um 19 college student and they have you know one year of service to McDonald's and a high school diploma that's all that's what they have to offer in and out burger and in and out burger says okay with your one year of experience your high school diploma I can give you I value those those um, things you bring to the table your skill set at $15 now think of the neurosurgeon he or she has 12 plus years of experience under their belt, at least four years of residency, and all types of schooling. <laughs> I'm just going to call it that because I've actually looked into it. It's so many levels of schooling. It has to be completed to be a neurosurgeon. And they're applying to be a neurosurgeon at like the latest hospital. So for us, for us it would be Rush Hospital. And Rush looks at their resume and they say, okay, for your 12 years of schooling, um, your residency, your degree, you also have a couple surgeries, unsuccessful surgeries under your belt, brain surgeries or whatnot. We value you at $245,000. Now, it's very easy to think because the employer is saying, I will give you X amount of dollars for your skills and your experience. But what you have to see on the flip side of that, which I think many of us don't understand it's all about how much work you've put in as a person. How much have you actually invested in yourself? Because the neurosurgeon went to school, stayed up late nights and passed the MCAT and had to study and pass exams and do successful surgeries, the neurosurgeon has invested a lot into themselves. And therefore, they can command 245000 or 375000 depending on you know where you're at in the nation. And the same thing with the In-N-Out Burger employee. There hasn't been much outside of the high school diploma and your one year of experience that you can actually offer up. You're giving them value in exchange for value. And I need you to see it like that, okay? So the value that you express outwardly to your employer and to friends and family and everyone else around you, 
comes from the value that you give yourself. How much have you invested in yourself? What you invest in yourself, you can now demand of others to pay you. So money is energy. Now, when it comes to our thoughts, our words, and our actions, our emotions, everything in our life is actually made up of energy. And this is the very first key that you need to understand to transition your relationship with money. If money is energy, if my thoughts are energy, my words are energy, my emotions are energy, that means my energy affects how much money I make or don't make. Big key there. If you are struggling with money or if you you don't need, you may not be struggling, you might be okay, but you're not living um, the financial freedom that you truly want, it has to do with your energy, your thoughts, your words, and your emotions that you've projected onto money itself. Now, here's the second thing you need to know. Something that I just recently started to understand in like in the past year or two. It's called a money archetype. So the money archetype, not to be confused with your money personality type, because your money personality type is like, oh, I'm a saver, I'm a spender, or I'm a hoarder, or they have, I think it's like five or six different things that you can be, which really that personality type just describes what you do with money. The money archetype actually is a framework that explains how you feel about money and therefore how you feel about money. Remember I said your emotions, your words, and your thoughts impact money. How you feel about money also affects how you manage money. So I'm actually going to put a link in this podcast for you to click on and check out. You can get a free quiz. I'm not an affiliate. I'm not getting any money from this. I'm just telling you the things that I've used to help myself. And the author of this specific money quiz is Denise Duffel Thomas. Now, just a little bit of a caveat, her her brand, what she's known for, is actually called Lucky Bee, um, but the, it's not B. It's the full spelled out, okay? So I don't want anybody <laughs> to go and be like, what did Sheree send me to? That's just her brand, y'all. But this woman in general is like a money, I would say she's like a money coach, but a money coach, she's not focusing on like, this is how you invest and this is stocks and this is bonds and this is, you know, the types of insurances you need to invest in. That's not what she does. She focuses more on your relationship. She coaches you through limiting beliefs, your relationship with money. So please go check out this quiz. Take it. You'll get um, a a free results email of your money archetype. Now, Their top three money archetypes, when you look at your results, those are the three that influence you the most and how you handle money. So there's actually eight archetypes. I'm going to touch on them very briefly for you, but I want you to please go and take that quiz. So of course, we all have some traits, you know, here and there from the archetypes. archetypes. But again, I want you to focus on the top three that you get in your score because those influence you the most. So each archetype that I'm going to go through very quickly right now has its own strengths and its challenges. And so when you look at all three of the of the ones that you have, you can see how they interact with each other and how they play out in your life. And you can actually see your unique strengths with money and how to overcome your challenges and hopefully discover your unique path to wealth. All right. So let's kick it off here with archetype number one and some of these i could read to you probably be like yep that's me 
<laughs> so let's dive into it with uh, number one is the ruler, the ruler or empire builder. The ruler has ambition to build lasting value and money is a way for them to measure their achievements. Number two is the nurturer. And the it's called the nurturer or they're considered the sponsor. The nurturer handles money by giving generously because it's connected to their self-worth. Even at their own expense. Y'all, this is me. <laughs> I don't know if any of you got a chance to listen to the video that I posted last Monday where I talked about my productivity um, and output being related to my self-worth. This is so me right here. Like what, what I can give, what I can do, what I can create, that to me is way more important um, <laughs> than anything else. And I'm, I'm learning to work, get away from that, to not have my self-worth connected to it. But this lets me know some of my strengths. Some of my strengths is that I'm loyal, I'm reliable, and I give amazing value. Why? Because I'm an overgiver. <laughs> uh, and then some of the struggles of the nurturer uh, we, we have issues with boundaries and for asking what we're worth. Um, and that leads to feeling resentment when our generosity is just like not even recognized. And the need for us to rescue others actually creates dependent relationships that unconsciously disables other people. So that's, those are our strengths and our weaknesses. And let me just pause for a second and say, if you are feeling resentment, I'm going to tell you this. If you're feeling resentment, that means that you overgave. And it might also mean that if a lot of your relationships ended with you feeling resentful, you're probably a nurturer. <laughs> so I just wanted to share that with you. All right, the third archetype is the connector or the relationship creator the connector usually cares about heart-to-heart -heart connections and long-term relationship building they really wish they did not have to think about money at all number four is the alchemist they out here turning water into wine y'all <laughs> the alchemist or the idealist is you know a subtitle for them um, they usually believe there's like some sort of unfair balance of wealth in the world and they care about social justice more than making money. Number five is the celebrity or the big shot. They like projecting, projecting the idea that their wealth makes a big impression and a big impact on others. Number six is the accumulator or the banker. They love the sense of security and freedom saving money gives them. Number seven is the Maverick, and their other name is uh, Rebel with a Cause. <laughs> this is actually my second one. My second, uh, my, I actually came equal to the Maverick and the Nurturer. We, I had equal scores on that one. So uh, the Maverick loves taking financial risk, especially when it sets them apart from the crowd or others' opinions. Ouch. And then number eight is the Romantic, and... They believe that money is made to enjoy life to the fullest and that they deserve it. So I want you to go and take this quiz, okay? Get to know your money archetype and figure out what you need to overcome, what are your challenges, what are your strengths, okay? And number three is understanding your mindset on money. 
So when I say mindset, you have to understand what subconsciously is in your mind about money. What limiting beliefs are impacting what you receive or what you don't. So um, I would say that our money beliefs come from experiences of what we've had in childhood. So some of my childhood experiences, my most impressionable ones, made me feel like I was going to struggle and that it was going to be hard. That, that money doesn't come to you easily. So you got to hustle, 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 right? If you don't want to be in poverty. So I used to work like for years, you guys, I worked two jobs just to be able to say that I had more than enough because I didn't feel like I didn't, I didn't ever want to be in that space of like poverty. But then at the same time, I like wore down my body significantly. So I want you to think of the common money stories that you grew up hearing as a child or if you saw people fighting over money or if you saw people being rejected because they made a lot of money and now the family thinks like, oh, you think you're better than everybody else. I need you to take some time and go through common money stories that you heard because whether or not you say with your mouth, oh, I'm good with money, you know, if I could, I'd, I'd give somebody my bank account right now. You could just put as much money as you want in it. You may be saying those things with your conscious mind, but your subconscious mind, if it believes that money is going to cause you to be rejected or if it believes that money is dirty or evil is for greedy rich people, then you will find a, a way to repel and reject it and find yourself in the same tight financial situations every single time. So I'm going to share a couple common money stories with you and you can see if you identify with them. So. Money, like I said, for me, I thought money had to be earned the hard way and that it doesn't grow on trees. A second one that you might hear is, I'm not from a wealthy family. Money doesn't come easily to people like me. A third one you might hear is, I can't afford to buy that house, that car, go on that vacation or that dress. Number four, you might even hear yourself say, Money can buy you happiness. That one definitely you can hear in the, your family line sometimes. Um, number five, I'm just not very good with money. Number six, money is a limited resource and we can't all be millionaires. Ooh, that's a big one. And then one of my favorites, I guess you could call it favorites, is money is the root of all evil. Now, this one goes out to all my uh, Christian followers because I have a very uh, heavy Christian following. Listen, if you don't know, I just want to let you know that that scripture actually comes from 1 Timothy 6.10. But there is a slight clarification in the scripture. It does not say that money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. So if you heard that growing up or you believe that or thought you had to be extremely um, quote unquote, living down to earth because money is for rich, greedy people. It might have came out of this idea that money is the root of all evil. All right. Money itself. Let me just be clear. Money itself is neutral. One more time. Money itself is neutral. It doesn't hold the capacity for morality, but it can pick up moral implications based on how it's used and why it's used, okay? So, it's no different than me using a candle, guys. A candle by itself is neutral. Candles are not evil. 
<laughs> it sounds funny, but that's legitimately how money is viewed sometimes. Candles are not evil. Fans are not evil. Pillows are not evil. They have no ability to hold, no capacity to hold morality at all. It does not have a consciousness. So it cannot be, it cannot think to do evil things, okay? The, if in order for money to be evil, it has to be able to get up and like choke me out in the middle of the night. <laughs> I burned down my house. Like it has no ability to do any of those things, okay? So because it cannot take action, it doesn't have a mind of its own. We cannot say that it has the capacity for morality. It has no ability to judge right from wrong. But again, people mix up someone using it for immoral things to now call money immoral. And that's not the case. It depends on the hands it's in, how it's used, and why it's used. There are so many amazing social initiatives to help the homeless, to build out amazing housing, to help people find jobs. I mean, I can go on and on. So much money is given to research. Money in itself, again, is not evil. It can be used for the good. Now, one of what one thing I'll say I think is a common thread I feel amongst all the the money stories I just shared with you is money or the lack of it is something to be feared. That's usually like the generalized story. There's like this poverty, lack, fear mindsets around those stories. Money or the lack of it is something to be feared, to be feared. Now, you may know people in your life where money comes to them freely and with ease. Like they don't even worry about it. Their family's giving them like $50,000. Oh, go start your business. Oh, you need a new car. I'll write the check. Like, you're like, I don't understand. Like, how are they able to do this? And like my family and me and struggle, 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 bus, struggle, bus, struggle, struggle, struggle. And they're not struggling. I'm struggling. Okay. Their family grew up with a different concept of money than yours. And that's why the paths look different. Okay. You need to get to that place though, where you believe that money comes freely and with ease to you. So I'm going to leave you with two questions and some homework. First thing I need you to do when you finish listening to this podcast is figure out what financial stories have you told yourself. I named off seven of them. If it's something, some version of that, I need you to write it down. I need you to figure out where did this come from? Is it something that you heard your mom say or your dad say or an uncle? Or was it something that you saw like your family arguing and fighting over money? Maybe they never said anything to you personally about it, but you saw them fighting over it a lot. And so it caused you to be fearful of lack. Figure out what financial story you've told yourself. And... Lastly, I want you to figure out what emotional charges have you projected onto money? Is money good? Is money bad? Now, I need you to dig deeper. I don't want you to think from a conscious level of, well, of course money is good. I'd be able to pay off all my debt, my student loans, and go buy the house that I want. But I want you to think about this deeper. Do you feel like... Money is good, but I just don't know if I'm capable. I need you to write that down. I need you to get really real with it. Okay? So, oh, actually, that's not your only homework. I did say you needed to go take the money archetype quiz. So <laughs> take the quiz first. 
then answer these questions, okay? And then once you're done, I need you to figure out how to declare the opposite of what you're feeling. You have to rewire your brain and your thoughts and create some affirmations around money that are going to help you shift your thinking. You have to add in new thoughts. Remember, the first thing I said is that money is energy. Money is energy. Money is energy. Your thoughts, your words, and your emotions impact the money you receive or don't receive, okay? Take your money archetype quiz And then get to the bottom of your limiting beliefs and your mindsets behind money. All right, my beautiful queens and unicorns and gladiators and amazing warrior women all over the world. (laughs) I love you guys. Have an amazing week. Peace.